Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I know they say that you start to look alike after you've been married for a while, but hopefully you can still tell the difference between me and Pastor Eric. He is not here today. He is in Irving with Pastors Brian and Jonna. He's preaching there this morning and spending some time with them, and I'm sure that it's a blessing for both of them. So I am here to continue his series that he started last week on the power of words. And so some of what I have for you today will be a review of what he said last week, and it's always good to hear it over and over again. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. And so if you ever have a message that you hear that just really resonates with you, listen to it over and over and over again. It'll build your faith. So I'll be going over some of the things that he said last week and also hopefully bringing you some new thoughts as well. This is such a powerful teaching. Um, I'm never really all that excited when he asks me to preach. You know, I'm just trying to be the submissive wife that I am. I think that's my staff that's laughing. Um, But it's not because I don't like sharing the word. I do. It's not you, it's me. I just have issues with having to put the word into a format and stay, keep my mind on track, you know, I want a rabbit trail. But when I started studying this, it was such a, it was such powerful revelation, some of it, and reminder to me that I was so glad that this was where we were at um, when he asked me to preach, because it just, it's, I've already seen it make a difference in my own life. So hopefully it will to you as well. Let's Go over some of the scriptures that Pastor Eric shared last week. Let's start in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. Colossians 1, 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. A kingdom is is a royal domain, and we are all part of a royal domain. And we're ruled by a royal family. Not the royal family that you see on TV with the weddings and the fancy clothes and stuff, but our royal family consists of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And like any kingdom, there are laws and there are principles that operate that kingdom, that govern the kingdom. And laws can benefit you or laws can be detrimental to you, depending on which side of the law that you're on. And many times, if you break the law, that law then became detrimental to you because of the side of the law that you chose to be on. There's also laws like gravity. Gravity's a good thing. It keeps us all on the ground, keeps the chairs where they are, keeps things in the place that you set them. But how many of you know when you get a little bit older? So I've heard, my, my older friends have told me that when you get a little bit older, gravity's not your friend. Things that aren't supposed to be headed towards the ground or headed towards the ground. There's even those contraptions. Have y'all ever seen those contraptions that people get in to defy the effects of gravity on their body? They hook their ankles in and hang upside down. Have y'all seen those? Has anybody ever used one? Do they work? Can somebody get me one? Or let me know, you know, let me know. Um, So it can be beneficial or it can be detrimental depending on which side of the law or principle that you happen to be on. If you're going to benefit from living in a kingdom that's ruled by laws and principles and receive everything that that kingdom has to offer, which in our case is life and that more abundantly, then you have to understand things and put into practice and abide 
in those laws and principles. Because your best life is going to be a life led with intention and purpose. Nobody's going to create a great life by just say la vie, going through life, letting whatever happens, happen. Let's turn over to Proverbs 18. And this is kind of our core scripture for this teaching, Proverbs 18, verses 20 and 21. Verse 20 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. One of the first things we need to understand is that our tongues have power. The words that you say are powerful. Learn how to take that power and harness it and make it serve you instead of being detrimental to your life. This building has power. It's called electricity. It's very beneficial. It's how we see each other in here today. It's how we had this amazing praise and worship. It's how you can hear me on this microphone because I promise you nobody past Valerie could hear me if I didn't have a microphone. But how many of you know that if you came in contact with that electricity improperly, it could be very detrimental. Your words have power. In Deuteronomy 30, we see that God has given us a choice. He says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And then he cheats for us. He says, choose life. He tells us which one to pick. You have the opportunity to choose life or death by the words that you speak. What is it that you want your life to look like? Do you want it to be full of life or do you want it to be full of death and destruction? You get to choose. Choose life. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will your emotions, your attitude. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Well, how many of you need a little less trouble in your mind and in your emotions? And I know several people that need less trouble in their attitude. Can I get an amen? When you guard your mouth, you'll keep trouble from those areas of your life. Proverbs 12, verses 13 and 14. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture today, but jot these down because this teaching is deep and it covers a lot of ground and it is really life-changing. Proverbs 12, verse 13 says, The wicked is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will come through trouble. How will the righteous come through trouble? By not transgressing with his lips. Verse 14 says, A man will be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. If you get your mouth right, you get your life right. That's all there is to it. It's as simple as that. Good things will be in your life as you continually speak good words from your mouth. You will get the fruit of the seeds that you're planting. Fruit comes forth by seeds that are planted. What kind of things are coming forth in your life because of the words that you've said? Is the fruit that the word you're saying is producing the kind of fruit that you want to eat. Because the man will be satisfied with good fruit by the fruit of his mouth. A good life is simply made up of a daily determination. 
a daily determination to tame the tongue. In James 3.8, it says that no man can tame the tongue. And what that means is it's not permanently tameable. Like a zebra. Your tongue is like a wild animal. I don't know if you know this about zebras, but zebras can be tamed, but only for a day. Once a zebra sleeps and wakes up the next day, they're just as wild as they were the day before. And that's how your tongue is. You have to make a determination daily to tame the tongue to watch the words that come out of your mouth. You can't do it once and expect it to be fixed. Every single one of us has been blessed by words, and every single one of us has been hurt by words. I'm sure if we sat here for a few minutes, you could each come up with an instance of each that has happened in your life. Unfortunately, sometimes it's easier to remember the times that you've been hurt by words over the times that you have been blessed. But I think we both, we all have experienced both. There was a little girl named Cheryl Pruitt, and at four years old, Cheryl used to hang out at her dad's grocery store. And every day, the milkman would come to the grocery store, and he would have a greeting for Cheryl like, well, hello, Miss America, or how's my little Miss America doing today? And at first, Cheryl was uncomfortable with this greeting, and she would just giggle. And after a while, she became comfortable with it. And over time, this turned into a childhood fantasy. A little later in her life became a teenage dream. And then it actually became a goal of Cheryl's. And in 1980, standing on a stage in Atlantic City, Cheryl Pruitt was crowned Miss America. I read another story about a banker who every day when he would go into his bank, there was a legless beggar who would sit outside the bank. And this banker would give this beggar money, but he would not only give him money, he would also take one of the pencils that the beggar would offer. And he would say, you, sir, are a merchant. And I always appreciate getting a quality product from a merchant that I do business with. And he would go in the bank. Day after day, he would tell this man that he was a merchant and he appreciated the quality product that he got from him. One day when the banker went to work, the beggar was no longer there. The banker didn't think much of it, and after a while, he forgot about the beggar. Until one day, he walked into a public building, and he saw the legless man, who was no longer a beggar, sitting behind a concession stand, like a kiosk. And he waved the banker over, and he said, I was hoping that you would show up here at some point. All of this is due to the words that you said to me when I was sitting outside of the bank. He said, you began to see something in me I didn't see in myself. And over time, I began to see myself different than just a beggar. He said, I began to sell many, many pencils and work myself into this, a business owner. You have the power in your words to turn beggars into merchants. You have the words to impact a child's life that could change the course of his life forever. And everyone is worth the investment of your life-giving words. Everybody that you come in contact with deserves those words spoken over them. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. This verse says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. I started to break down this verse because I love to do that. I love to see what the original meaning of the words are. It makes the verses so much more powerful. And this word hold fast 
The words hold fast mean to secure to something without intent of detaching. But I found another de uh, definition of one word, hold fast. And I found this very interesting because it painted a picture to me what it means to hold fast. And a hold fast is actually a root system for some aquatic plants. And it's how they stay attached to the rock or whatever it is that they're growing out of. And it's meant to keep them in place when the, you know, the waves and the other sea life comes by. Seaweed is an example of one of those plants that has a hold fast root system. In fact, if you were to try to pull one of these plants up, chances are you would shred the plant with your hands before you would get it to turn loose of whatever it was planted on. Doesn't that just give you a good picture of what it means to hold fast? Let us hold fast the confession. You must attach yourself to the confession of hope without any intention of letting go no matter what. The word confession here comes from the root word. Do we have any Greek scholars in the house? Okay, so nobody will know if I get this wrong. Homologio, I believe. It doesn't matter. What it means is to say the same thing that God says about your circumstances. Your confession is to say the same thing that God says about your circumstances. What's your circumstances? The circle that you live in. Each one of us has a circle that we are standing in daily. Some of our circles look a little bit alike. We all have a physical body that we have to deal with, but then much, much of your circle doesn't look like anybody else's. The circumstances that you face every day can be very different from anybody else that you know, but either way, we all have our circle that we're standing in. Hold fast your confession. You have a responsibility regarding your own life to agree and to say the same thing that God says about your life and your circumstances. It's up to you what kind of life you have. It really is. It's up to you what you want to see come out of your life. I have a story that Pastor Eric has shared before, but it's been a while, and it's so powerful, I just thought that it needed to be shared again. In 1886, Walter George broke the world record for the mile run. He ran it in 4 minutes and 12 and 3 quarters seconds. In 1923, a man by the name of Pavo Numi set a new record, running the mile in 4 minutes and 10 seconds. It took 36 years to shave 2 seconds off of that mile. Then that record would stand for 31 more years. In the 1930s, two men were living in Middlesex, England. Both of them were diagnosed within years of each other in the same hospital by the same doctor to have the same disease. That disease would cripple them to never walk again but be confined to, confined to a wheelchair for the rest of their lives. One of the men accepted the diagnosis and was confined to a wheelchair. The other man did not accept the diagnosis. And he said, not only will I walk again, but I will run. He was not a runner even prior to the diagnosis but he was determined not to accept it. Well, he, it was a long, sad story of many, many attempts, probably thousands of attempts of him to get out of that wheelchair, only to fail, but he kept trying and trying. He was determined. Finally, his body slowly unlocked, and he began walking and then eventually running. And history records that on May 6, 1954, in Oxford, England, Roger Bannister broke the mile record. 
Not only did he break the mile record, but he ran the mile in three minutes, 59.4 seconds. It was previously believed that nobody would ever be able to run it under four, mile, uh, four minutes. The odds were stacked against him. He had to overcome his own body as well as long-standing consensus by many that it was impossible to breach the four-minute mile. While Ro when Roger Bannister accomplished this great feat, something happened to other athletes in the world. It had, until this point, been tattooed in their minds that nobody could do what Roger did. But now that tattoo was removed. In the next four years, 25 runners broke the four-minute mile. And in 1999, a Moroccan runner set the new world record at three minutes and 43 seconds. It's incredible. The doctor who had given the diagnosis to these men after Roger broke the world record, he re-examined Roger Bannister to make sure that his diagnosis was correct. And he said, you absolutely had the right diagnosis. You should not be walking or running. And you overcame it. The doctor examined the other man who he had diagnosed, who was in the hospital at the time, and he told the man, I'm so sorry, you were misdiagnosed. You don't even have the disease. You've been confined to your wheelchair by your own acceptance of the diagnosis. You have a choice. You can live your life to whatever diagnosis someone gives you, or you can hold fast to the confession. You can secure yourself to the words that are in agreement with the word of God concerning your life, like your life depends on it, because it does. Turn in your Bibles now to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke, we also believe, and therefore speak. Faith is made up of two primary ingredients, believing and speaking. Believing and speaking. It's not just positive thinking. It's a positive confession of faith. It's not about having good conversation, although you should. You should make your conversation good, but it's about purposing to confess the word over your life. God's put this principle in his kingdom where you can take the power of words and hook them to the power of faith. Whatever it is that you believe in your heart, the word of God, when it comes out of your mouth, it is sure to make something happen. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our believing and speaking. Now let's turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. One of our favorite group of verses as people of faith is Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 22 through 24. Mark 11, 22 says, Have faith in God. Verse 23 says, For assuredly I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. The mountains in your circumstances aren't going to move just because you believe that they should. Just because you like them, they will not budge. Just because you don't like them doesn't mean that they will budge. Faith is believing and speaking. 
Talk to those mountains in your circumstances. Tell them where they need to go. If you can have what you say, doesn't it make sense that then you would want to say what you want to have? Believing and speaking. Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. This verse perplexed me a little bit. Cast away your confidence. So I looked up the word confidence. And it comes from a Greek word, parisia, meaning freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech. Do not cast away your freedom in speaking. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Don't let go of your boldness to declare what God has said about you and your circumstance. Say it freely over your life. You know, where your life ends up does not have to be determined by where you were born. It doesn't have to be determined by who raised you. It doesn't have to be determined by your family history. Just because grandpa was an alcoholic, dad was an alcoholic, doesn't mean that that's your lot in life to fight alcoholism. It also doesn't even, it doesn't have to be determined by what's happening in society or maybe who the current leadership of our country is. You can determine what your life looks like by agreeing with every word that God says about you. Hold fast to your confession of faith. Don't let go. No matter what or who comes against you. Because your words have more authority over your life than anybody else's does. It doesn't matter what anybody else has said about you or your life. Your words have more authority than those. And you know, don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not saying any of your family are, are pigs. But there are some people that can't understand your confession of faith. And by telling them what it is between you and God that you're believing for and that you're wanting to see in your life, sometimes you invite their negativity in. So don't, it's not for you to share with everybody. Even if it just happens in the morning when it's just you and God in your bedroom and you can make your confession of faith every day before you leave the house. Now, it is important to surround yourself with people who are like-minded and will agree with you and support you in what you're believing. But what you say over your life is going to have the most authority. Let's turn in Romans to chapter 10, verses 8 through 10. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 8, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This salvation in this verse is not just salvation from hell. It includes that, and we're grateful for that, but it's a greater truth than that. The word salvation here comes from the Greek word soterio, and it means rescue or safety, physically or morally. Deliverance from enemies, health, and preservation. So much of what you face can be dealt with by the words that are coming out of your mouth. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto safety, preservation, health, deliverance from enemies. Believe in your heart and declare with your mouth what God says about you and you will live long and strong. 
I have one more scripture that I want to share with you, and I'll close with this. It's in John chapter 6, verse 63. It's the second part of this scripture. And it says, the words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. There is creation power in your mouth. The ability to create life. You can plant seeds in your own life and in the lives of others that will bring forth the kind of life that Jesus came for you to have. Hold fast, cling to, adhere to your confession, the spoken agreement of what God says about you and your circumstances. Don't hold back. Be bold in professing words that bring life and more abundantly. Do what you have to do. Get those scriptures up on your mirror in your bathroom. Make a little booklet that you can go through every morning before you leave the house, but confess the word of God over your life daily. Remember, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And as Pastor Eric went over last week, that word power in that scripture means the hand of the tongue. Life and death are in the hand of the tongue. And you can have whatever you want in this life. You just have to reach out and grab it with your words. Amen? Father, I thank you for this time together in your word, Lord. I thank you that the word, seed of the word was planted in good ground to create a great harvest for our future. Lord, I thank you that you have been faithful and you give us direction and guidance and instruction for our lives, Lord. That you came and paid a dear, dear price that we would have an abundant life. And you not only did that, but you made sure that we knew how to grab a hold of it. And we thank you for that, Lord. And Father, I thank you that not one person within the sound of my voice would leave unchanged by your word today. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.